Welcome back to the official SEC Slow Smoked Week 8 Recap Podcast. Your old host, Bullshit One. We got Mr. Jimmy Brooks on the line and Holt Smash on the line as well, where all three of our teams lost this week. So we can take a moment of silence to uh, mourn our losses, which we'll do now. All right, that's the end of that moment of silence because we have next week to get on to. Let's talk real quick. Which loss out of our three teams was a worse? And a reminder, I am a non-SEC fan. I'm surprised they let me host this podcast, but I am a Memphis fan. Um, JB's a Tennessee fan, and Holt is a Mississippi State fan. So out of the three losses, which was the worst? We'll ask JB. Uh, Mississippi State or Memphis. Uh, Tennessee, that was to be expected. Everyone knew they were going to get blown up Alabama because Alabama blows out everybody. But in fairness, uh, Tennessee did not cover, so they did lose they were supposed to. Yeah. So there's that. Um, LSU and – actually, I guess all three of our teams lost, and they all three did not cover the spread. The Mississippi State game, if, if I'm thinking honestly, I mean, the Memphis game was not close at all, so I'm pretty disappointed about that. But I also think that Memphis is, like, in a different, um, different division altogether when you compare, like, Power 5 to non-Power 5 teams. Unfortunately, in football, that's how it is. So I'm not too – I'm disappointed, but not as disappointed as I guess I could or should be about that as LSU and Mississippi State. So, Wes Holt, um, what happened in this game? And are you are you mad that Nick Fitzgerald got back on bus slash plane back to yeah, I mean, it was a pretty rough game. You know, Nick Fitzgerald's done a lot, you know, for Mississippi State and, like, obviously has a record for most rushing yards by quarterback in SEC history. But last night was definitely not one that uh, people are going to remember going forward. What I, don't, what I don't like about Fitzgerald is he thinks he's, like, hot. Whenever, like, they win against teams, they should win. Although they, they beat Auburn, I guess that's technically a game they were supposed to win, um, maybe. But – um, he just acts like he, he's like greatest thing in the world whenever they win games. Um, and necessarily great wins. And Auburn was a great win, but even when they beat teams they should be, he just acts like he's the best. And it just annoys me because he's uh, he's not the best, in fact. And um, they haven't played anybody. He hasn't beat anybody that he really should shouldn't have beaten yet. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like quarter, uh, confidence in the quarterback. I mean, I think that's something you need to have. Um, I mean, even arrogance a little bit to me is okay for a quarterback. But, I mean, when you're playing the way he's been playing, it definitely – I can definitely see why it would be rubbing people the wrong way. And, uh, he he definitely needs to play better and, you know, four interceptions. I mean, I know LSU's good. Death Valley's a tough place to play. But to just go in there and play like that and uh, to continually put this defense, which I think is probably one of the best in the country, uh, keep putting them in, like, bad position, like, over and over again, and they have to keep bailing them out, bailing them out. And he just does nothing uh, to help this team win in big games. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he, he puts up a lot of big numbers, you know, when they play some bad teams. And, uh, you know, he even had like 100 yards rushing in the first half last night. And I think LSU's only given up 100 rushing yards a game. So, I mean, he definitely he ran the ball pretty well. But it's just passing the ball is just an absolute nightmare. And, you know, you can't be that one-dimensional and expected to win in the SEC. Do you think they should move him to tight end and make Thompson the starting quarterback? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about the moving him to tight end part, but I definitely think it's time to give KT a shot. Um, but that being said, I think KT's shot was last night. I think if they were going to play him, they should have played him last night. Um, because, I mean, honestly, like, I think Fitzgerald is good enough to for them to beat Arkansas and Ole Miss and Louisiana Tech. And, you know, they're not going to beat Alabama no matter what they do. So, I mean, to me, like, if it was going to make any difference, you know, like last night was probably the last game they had a chance, you know, for it to make a difference. I mean, I don't think it's really going to make a difference one way or the other going forward. So, I think they're going to win the games they're supposed to win, and obviously they're going to lose to Alabama. Well, I understand your concern about the tight end. He does, he does run the ball a lot. Uh, he does that well. But he's too – I don't think he's too, he's too long and lanky for, for a uh, running back. Um, but I could argue that he could be a successful punter because Alabama was a successful punter with J.K. Scott, and he was like seven or something like that. Maybe yeah. Nick Fitzgerald's true talent is punting the ball. Well, it's definitely not throwing the ball. It's all now. 
true that. But hey, he he does throw the ball with accuracy just to the other team, right? Exceptions. Yeah, well, just like I put on Twitter, I mean, usually the away team wears white, but uh, LSU always wears the white uniform, so maybe Fisher was a little bit confused. This uh, this is actually good timing. So um, I'll I'll ask JB uh, to go ahead and bust out the uh, old what a chicken momentum segment of segment of the show slash what a chicken moment for week eight. Yeah, this week's what a chicken. Uh, with no surprise, it goes to head coach of Mississippi State, George, uh, Joe Moorhead. Uh, this is the decision-making he had last night, uh, just trying to, you know, put a square peg into a round hole, like, by keep on playing Fitzgerald, when obviously it's not working, especially with him not being able to get the passing game going, which is what Moorhead likes to do, you know, with this more balanced attack. It was terrible for him because LSU knew what was coming. They loaded guys in the box. They knew that Fitzgerald wasn't going to be able to make the easy throws much less the most difficult throws. And not putting Katon Thompson in was a terrible decision. I think if they put Thompson in, it could have made a difference. I don't know if it would have made a big enough difference for them to win, but that was just terrible by him. So, yeah, Joe Moorhead, you're a chicken. You're a chicken. All right. What um, What um I know I said earlier that I wish I was hoping for LSU to win because I wanted to um, have only one loss going to the Alabama game. But I was actually halfway pulling for Mississippi State because I love that. Uh, fire Joe Mo No Mo website up. I uh, couldn't do it yet. So I remember Russell waited, waited out for um, another big win. Not yet, but maybe in the future. Maybe when they beat Alabama, fire Joe Mo No Mo. It can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a while before you're gonna be able to make that website. The good news about this is that you wouldn't have to immediately extend or raise. Um, Jim Moorhead's contract right now. I mean, maybe maybe he can though, because um, maybe he can because uh, Jimmy Sexton has taken yeah before arrived with Dan Mullen through that whole contract, his whole tenure there. So maybe he can uh, get a raise, but um, doesn't look doesn't look good right now. There's probably a little bit more traffic for firejemo.com last like it should have, but. Um, since you since you, you brought up a good point, um, Mississippi State's defense isn't bad at all. I thought they actually played pretty well. I don't think LSU's offense is great, but I, just, I still think their defense was pretty good. And if you're if you're a throwback SEC fan, like you just like great defenses, this is your game for you because this is a solid defense and not really so much offense. Paul, um, is there is there any doubt now that um, LSU is the best defensive team in the SEC, the best defensive team in the country? Remember, you, you follow on before you answer. It starts off with, or finishes off with, if you remember in the beginning of the year, we talked about all the good defense in the SEC. We talked about Auburn's defense good, Mississippi State's, Alabama's defense always good, Georgia defense good, and LSU's. Um, but now, um, after eight games, um, it looks more and more to me like LSU's defense is definitely defense in the conference. Um, I would disagree with you. Um, I know I'm biased. I still think Mississippi State's defense is better than LSU's. Um, I just think that Mississippi State's quarterback, like, lost in the game. I mean, I don't think, like, that game really was a true um, indication of, like, which defense was better. <clears throat> I mean, to me, it was just – it was the quarterback play was the difference in the game. I mean, I, and I still honestly think Alabama's defense may be a little bit better than LSU's or a little bit uh, thinner in the secondary, but – I mean, to me, the defensive line is the most important. And, um, I mean, honestly, I'd say LSU is probably fifth or sixth in the SEC as far as defensive line talent goes. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Like, LSU secondary is is probably the best in the country. You know, John Battle, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams, and those are all studs. And, obviously, um, Devin White's one of the best linebackers in the country. And, um, you know, I mean, so to me, like, the back seven for LSU is really good. But they do struggle against the run. Um, you know, Mississippi State did run the ball pretty well last night. They just, you know, it was, they just couldn't consistently move the ball. And uh, I just – I think that's going to get LSU at some point going forward. I don't know when. Um, you know, I thought Georgia had some success running the ball on them, but they got they got away from it when they got behind. So, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from LSU. I think they have a great defense. But if you're asking me who has, you know, better defense in the SEC, I mean, I think – um, I think Mississippi State, Alabama, both do, and I think you could still make a case that Auburn may have a better defense than LSU as well. Let's bring out the tiebreaker, JB. Who is in the SEC? Currently, I'm gonna have to say it's LSU. 
I think they've shown the most consistency this season. Uh, Alabama's defense, like, it's still a really good defense, but this is not an elite defense that we're accustomed to seeing under Nick Saban. Maybe it's just all this turnover he's had. A defensive coordinator's finally caught up to him. I mean, he's been lucky having uh, Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt for the last decade. And, of course, now it's Tosh Lupoy as a defensive coordinator who previously had no defensive coordinator experience. So, right now I'm going to give the nod to LSU. I'd, I think that they're playing more as a unit than Alabama is currently. I, I think it's probably just due to the experience they have, especially in the secondary. And I'll, I'll take Alabama or LSU's back seven over Alabama's front seven. And also I'll take Aranda over Tosh Lupoy. So, yeah, I'm going to give the slight nod to LSU. Oh, with your – with the, the – let me, let me back up here. With um, pretending like you're an NFL team here and you have, you have a defensive need here, just a general defense need. So because that's Titans, because they I think they have a general defense need. Um, although they didn't play too bad today, um, they just kind of mad. But different. Um, with the number one defensive pick, are you pick Devin White or Jeffrey Simmons? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it just depends on your need. I mean, to me, it's a lot easier to find good linebackers than it is good defensive linemen. But, I mean, that, that's how we go with Simmons. But, I mean, honestly, like, I mean, you couldn't go wrong either way. Devin White is a monster. And, you know, it's always great to have that big-time middle linebacker, you know, in the middle of the defense. But, you know, I mean, to me, like, defensive linemen are a lot harder to find than linebackers. So I'd, I'd probably have to go defensive lineman. Plus, you have to rotate so many. You have to play so many. Usually, a linebacker is going to play the whole game. Defensive linemen are not going to play every snap. So the more you, you know, you need them a lot more. Very, very controversial call last night with Devin White getting ejected in the fourth quarter for that rough passer. Um, it's been reported that Joe has reached out to SEC conference. Whoever they need to, whoever needs to talk to, try to overturn this. Uh, use his power to overturn this so he could play the first half against Alabama in two weeks, but it hasn't. I think it was also reported that they can't review or overturn these calls. Do you think do you think the call was dumb? One whole question two, do you think that they can that actually overturn this? This would actually hurt the SEC if Devin White wasn't playing the first half against Alabama. Uh, I don't think they're going to overturn it. Um I think the call, the, like we saw with the Pac-12 last week, um, what happens when someone decides they're going to overturn a targeting call like during the week, it just kind of set, you know, it, it kind of set a lot of alarms off and they ended up changing the way they're doing that. I think the SEC is going to learn from the Pac-12's mistakes and uh, stick with the call that was made in the stadium. Uh, that being said, I mean, it was definitely a questionable call. And um, I think just the fact that it happened so fast um, and he did, I mean, he did go high, but at the same time, I mean, I think just watching it live, like he just came like, you know, like really fast and, you know, I think maybe threw the referees off a little bit, but I am surprised that they didn't overturn it um, after looking at the replay. I would be very mad if I was an LSU fan and had been to my best player on our team, but I guess they were trying to even out the game for you a whole, it was a little bit too late. Um, for that was actually a 45 yard penalty. Did y'all see that? That was yeah. actually two unsportsmanlike conducts on LSU that play. So, not only because Fitzgerald, Fitzgerald threw an interception on that play, so it didn't count towards his four. So, they get the targeting and then they get two more uh unsportsmanlike. So, they get the 45 yard penalty, and uh, the, the referees actually made Fitzgerald go sit down for a play because they thought that he was like you know had a concussion. He comes out for one play. They KT comes in, runs the ball. They get like four yards. They bring Fisher back in. He promptly throws an interception on like the next play. So shout out to uh, shout out to that. <laughs> yeah, maybe the refs were trying to protect Fisher from throwing. Her. Like, hey, you do you really want to come out here and throw another interception? And look bad. Yeah, I think they were trying to help uh, Morehead <laughs> out. I think they were just like, man, like we know, like you're having a hard time over there, so we're just gonna try to help you out. And get probably told him, like, hey, FarJoeMo.com is getting a lot of traffic right now. You probably want to call him down with Star and Thompson right now, but they didn't. Listen. Oh well. To um, another game, JB should Chris be the leader for Eisen right now? Yeah, after yesterday's game, especially those uh, two drives, like those two consecutive drives where he led him for, to a touchdown, absolutely. Uh, he he looked like the. Uh, Star leader. I mean, he's a senior and he started half, you know, past halfway through the season. But 
Come on, let's just go ahead and jump on the train. You know, he is uh, Paul Chris's nephew, so they need something happen, something good to happen to them since uh, Paul Chris is kind of shitting the bed this year at Wisconsin. I saw on Facebook, um, living living where we live, you're going to get SEC fans on your Facebook and some less informed than others. But there was a Tennessee fan on my Facebook that said um, she, she or he, we'll say, it could be either or, made a post um, with Tennessee uh, Pepper Alley or Fight Song or something like that and said, um, I'm so proud of this team. We scored we scored 21. That's such an improvement from last year. Still lost by 37 <laughs> points, which is um, Alabama covering the spread of, like, 29. So it's still a really bad loss, but scoring 21 is a victory in her book or his book. Um Maybe was this a moral victory today? Not only losing by this much or scoring 21 points against Alabama? Hell no, it was not a moral victory. More- 28-20 is not a moral victory. And I don't know how in anyone's book that could be a moral victory. Moral victory. No, I mean, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they were expected to lose, and I think they were, expect, they were expected to lose big. And, yeah, I mean, guess scoring 21 points is definitely an improvement from previous years when Tennessee would be held to single digits. But, I mean, they still allowed 58 points, which is more than they're used to allow to Alabama, too. So, you know, it kind of works both ways. Yeah, um, this game wasn't really close. And, you know, it's funny because I, was, I didn't text y'all about this thing, about texting y'all. Like, I think, I think Tennessee's going to keep it close. I don't know. I guess it most the best of me that when, when we watched in Auburn last weekend at home and they feel like they got some momentum with Jeremy Pruitt, first-year head coach, they're going to play out of their minds against the first – first uh, half and keep it close, like less than 10 points is what I was thinking. But honestly, that game off so bad for Tennessee. It's not, you know, it's it's almost like it's not anything on Tennessee because that's how Alabama starts out games without winning, you know, scoring so many points in the half and getting up by like 20 to 30 points. Yeah. First half. So yeah. Not, not unusual, but I was I was actually snapping. I was snapping my lady friend about it because she was like, you know, I was like, oh, this is Tennessee. I know when it was like fourteen nothing. Then I snapped her again. Five minutes later, five minutes later, twenty one nothing. Then I snapped her again. Five minutes after that, twenty eight to nothing. After the end of the first quarter, it's just so crazy to me how it's, it's, it reminds me of like me playing you in Xbox or something like that. Even though I wouldn't even be too bad about an Xbox, so I don't even know like what this, how you can explain this. Yeah, especially when you're trying to come back against a team that you can't stop. Like once they jump out to a twenty eight nothing lead, you're not coming back because even if your offense gets it going their offense is still going to be clicking on all cylinders. So it doesn't really matter. They're still going to be able to keep ahead. What's the deal with um, Jeremy Pruitt's obsession with onside kicks? I like it personally. I like when he does all, when teams do onside kicks and go for a fourth down and play aggressive like that. But um, I know he did it against Auburn last week and did it this week in Alabama. I think you said he's done one in every game this year. Um, I like the call, but um, do you think that's his play calling ability or his aggressive nature as a coach? I mean, Jeremy Pruitt just has the balls the size of coconuts. I mean, he has no coconuts. fear. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's. Def- I mean, you would think he'd be dragging him around, you know, like, but like he just has so much, uh, you know, no fear in him that he, he's he's not afraid to take those risks whatsoever. Especially when he did that uh, onside kick yesterday, which looked like on TV that it was executed perfectly, but it ended up just barely, you know, brushing the shoulder off the player that was going to recover it. And they oh. haven't had a onside kick yet this season. At least one of the at least the ones that are unexpected. Oh, did you I think you said you had the over in this game. You didn't bet on the spread for Alabama, did you? No, I just bet on the over. I mean, once I saw that it was in the 50s, I'm like, man, Alabama's going to get that by themselves. Well, so, the you know, it was like I think it was 58 and a half <laughs> and it was I think the total at halftime was like 54 or something. So, I mean, it was like – or 55 maybe. I can't It was remember. 42 to 14 at halftime. Yeah, so it was 56. So, all it needed in the second half was a field goal. And, of course, Alabama comes out and scores like right to start the second half. So, yeah, easy yeah. money. But, yeah, they actually, they actually got the – or the even just by that safety to start the second half. Yeah, I think that's what it's saying, Jimmy. Um, should... <laughs> um but, hey, if you don't look on the bright side, JB, if you two out, uh, then this is a close game, right? I mean, yeah, like if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I mean, yeah, like if, if, if two didn't exist, then I'm sure Tennessee could have kept this under three touchdowns. 
that's how much of a difference to attack of Valua makes to that Alabama offense. He gives them that extra dimension and being able to throw the football effectively that they don't have to rely on the running game to set up the passing game anymore. I think um, Judy is on pace to have more touchdown than uh, Mark Cooper, which is kind of crazy. Cause I, don't, I think Judy's good. I don't think he's better than Mark Cooper, but I think he's good. But it's more of a factor of to uh, throwing to him than um, Blake Sims. Yeah, Judy definitely has a better quarterback. Uh, Cooper would have had McCarron briefly and then, you know, Blake Sims. So, I mean, it wasn't really that great. Um, McCarron's definitely more of a passing quarterback. Of course, guys like uh, Julio Jones had Greg McElroy and McCarron, too. You know, pure passing quarterbacks. And but Judy, Judy has somebody that's not just a game manager. He's got someone that has, like, the most accurate arm I've seen in college football in a long time. Like, just the way he can he can scramble, but the accuracy on him is just unbelievable. It almost looks like he's throwing it up like, before he gets hit really hard by the – defensive line whoever's going to hit him it almost looks like he's just throwing up for a prayer but like it's right to throw it yeah exactly it's right on the money like I've never seen a quarterback throw so much better and more poise and more accurate under pressure than Tua like I mean he, he's special and like I said Jalen Hurst didn't have too much action he he'd have a touchdown I think but he also threw an interception right JB yeah Jalen Hurst did an interception <laughs> and he had tried to tap defensive lineman and the defensive lineman just kept shoving them out of the way as he kept, you know, barreling towards the end zone, like dragging like five people. Yeah, he was not not going to be stopped. Um, but you almost feel – you kind of feel bad for Jalen Hurts because you see him do good. But it's just every time he gets in the game, like it's just there's a whole different game being played whenever he's playing versus when two was – when Jalen's playing you, you're like, oh, I have a chance. You don't have to – they're not going to score every, you know, three or four plays like they would with two of But Yeah. Um, I think with – yeah, I honestly think with this year's Alabama team, if Jalen Hurts had been the quarterback to start the season and would, you know, would have been playing the entire season, if uh, Tua didn't exist, Alabama would lose a game with this team just because this defense, you know, isn't as has you know previous Alabama defenses are, but because of the Alabama offense being so dominant, it just cancels it out. Yeah, what's the outlook on Garantano, JP? I think it's it's looking like it's a collarbone injury. It could be a uh, broken collarbone. If so, that means it's going to be Chris time for a while. But that's we kind of we all knew this was coming with Garantano. I mean, he's taken so many hits this season. I mean, he's been a he's been a warrior out there on the field. I feel hor- I feel sorry for him because like, you know, he's like frustrated, but he, there's nothing he can do about it. And it seems like every time he throws the football, even if he doesn't get sacked, he takes a hit almost every play. Paul, do you like Keller Chris better than Jared Garantano? Do you think he gives Tennessee a better chance to win? No, I don't think so. I think uh, early in the season, I felt a little bit more comfortable with him. I didn't think they brought him in just to sit. I don't think he would transfer there just to sit. So I was under the impression that he was probably going to play. But uh, the fact that Garantano beat him out, and, um, you know, it's, it just kind of sucks for Tennessee fans because he had the big game against Auburn and then comes back and gets hurt against Alabama the next week. Um, when he was really starting to show a lot of promise. And hopefully he's not out for too long. Um, but, yeah, if it's a broken collarbone, then it's probably going to be, you know, the end of the season for him. And, um, you know, not that Tennessee was going to do anything, like, too big this year. But, you know, just going forward, it's always good to have that experience. And going into next year, I think they could have really had something to build on. And, I mean, I think they still do. But I think they would have definitely preferred to give him as much experience as possible. One thing um, I am – not that it's going to really slow down anything with Alabama. One thing I am – with them is their of running game. Not that they they're, they're able to run the ball, but they just don't have one guy that they're going to take all of the running or take the entire load. Like, for instance, Derrick Henry or um, Stephen Wittrich and you had uh, Mark Ingram, but you have you have good running backs, but nobody's just really taking the lead to take all the carries. And maybe that's by design. They just want to do a running back by committee, but um, Josh Jacobs yesterday had 12 carries. Brian Robinson Jr. had 13 carries, which I don't even know who he is because he wasn't even like um, lead back. But Najee Harris had nine carries for 50 yards. So a um, running back back committee, but they just they're not have they don't have anybody that's just gonna take over the game running the ball, which I guess they're okay with because they don't need to with Tua. But um, that's the only thing I could be concerned with Alabama is their running game and maybe their defense a little bit. But if you watch their team play from week to week, I think their defense is getting better each week. I don't know. They're just what maybe you're saying, not like an elite that they're used to. 
I still think they are getting from week to week. Yeah, well, I think part of the problem with Alabama is the fact that their offense gets out to such those those big early leads, and teams kind of have to maybe get a little bit desperate, and uh, you know they're just able to. I mean, it's just hard to play with that same intensity when, like, you know, you're up by like three, four touchdowns like that early in the game. I mean, like, I, I'm not trying to make excuses for them, but like, I, I actually think they're a lot better than than they've shown. I just think that, you know, I just think the fact that they're up so big so early that it's hard to keep that intensity. What do you know about Jalen Waddle? Because I don't know anything about him except for he had 117 yards and one touchdown. Is he going to be the next Lamar Cooper, Julio Jones, Jerry, Judy, whatever his name is? <laughs> Yeah, he's from Texas. He was like a really highly recruited uh, player, like a slot punt returner type guy, really quick, really fast. And, um, you know, he's a guy that they were hyping up a lot for the season started. And, I mean, anytime you're playing as a true freshman at Alabama, I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. And um, that that 77-yard touchdown catch he had, I mean, you know, Tua put that like right on the money, hit him right in stride. He had two Tennessee defenders around him, but neither one of them had any chance to catch the ball. And it just hit him like right in stride. It was a perfect throw, and he just caught it and kept never broke stride. Just and took it to the house. I mean, it was just an incredible play and something that <laughs> no one else except for Alabama is going to be able to do because of the way they recruit to have like such a great quarterback and such a great receiver like that, like on such a great team. Like it's just I don't know. It's kind of unfair, honestly. After, after the first quarter, the score. If there was no first quarter, the score would be thirty-one to twenty-one. So a I mean, 30 to 21, so not a bad game, not a bad game. Just, they got us that horrible first quarter, but um, they looked, it was pretty good. I'm not pretty good, but it looked a lot better after the first quarter. But the second half, what when the world was going with that, like, you think they come out the second half fired up and, like, maybe play really hard and start to fight a little, which they did, but um, that was a horrible, horrible first, like, three or four plays in the second half. Yeah, it was just mental errors, especially on the uh, kickoff when uh, they had the fair catch called, or they tried to call the fair catch, but it was a dead ball, and they ended up getting the ball to start off at the three-yard line. And in the first play from scrimmage, uh, Keller Chris loses his footing and then falls in the end zone and gets a safety. And then on that same play, uh, their running back, Jeremy Banks, goes and runs his mouth off to an Alabama defensive back, gets a 15-yard penalty on doing kickoff. So, yeah, like everything that could go wrong, you know, the start of half went wrong. You know, he was pissed after those three plays. Actually, what what probably was like some of the cases that unsportsmanlike conduct call. Yeah, worst thing is like you get that on the ensuing safety kickoff, which you know that's like that's a thirty yard. That's like you know the safety kickoffs. You know is going to be a little bit further back or further you know back, and then also you got the fifteen yard penalty on top of that. So Alabama ended up getting the ball past midfield. Yeah, not great, but um. They play South Carolina and then Charlotte next week, so maybe they can improve upon that. You kind of just mark that win again as an asterisk and move on. Don't don't think too much about it. Just Alabama's way way better than everybody else at this point. Playing South Carolina and Charlotte. South no, they're playing South Carolina. They're playing Charlotte. Oh, I thought you said they're playing South South Carolina and Charlotte. <laughs> Charlotte later on. SJB. Yeah, yeah. Like so now Tennessee's sitting at a three and four record, so. They're past their gauntlet of the schedule that all the people were looking at. So now they got to finish three and two, and I think that is very possible. But three and four, uh, where I think we all had them sitting at this point in the season. So now it's time for them to try to take care of some business and try to get to a bowl. That's that would make a successful season for Jeremy Pruitt's first year if they can finish out at least three and two. One, one last question before we move on to the other games, JB. I wasn't at the game, and I wasn't watching the entire game, although I was very interested to see how much Alabama would win by and how they would keep pulling. Um, at what point did Tennessee fans start leaving the game, or were they there the entire fourth through the entire fourth quarter? Uh, they started leaving, I think, maybe midway through the third quarter. Uh, most of them were still, pretty much all of them were still there at halftime, even though it was forty-two fourteen. But a lot of them started leaving midway through the third quarter. Yeah, that's depressing. Uh, you know, you you spend all this time for the pregame your game, tailgate and everything, get your mind right for the game the entire week, and then the first quarter they go up 20 to nothing. You're like, well, I can't leave this soon. I just I just got here, so you have to stay a little bit. Yeah, you, exactly. You just got there. Like, you got to stay. Yeah. Um, moving on to other games, um, Holt, has the Gus bus finally started getting back on uh, on schedule? Yep. Just like I was saying last week, they got they got the spare tire on, and they, you know, that's all they needed to get through Oxford. Um the comment, you know, the cure for the 
common running offense is just playing uh, Ole Miss, I guess. So they struggled running the ball the last few weeks. They were able to get the running game going. Booby Whitlow had a big game. And, uh, you know, they, they messed around early in the game, and it looked like, uh, the, it, you know, they're going to continue to struggle to move the ball. But second half, they really committed to the run. And Stidham started uh, making some throws after some overthrows in the first half, and they were able to pull away from Ole Miss in the second half. Yeah. Um, I, I tweeted out that Jared Stidham's not an NFL quarterback. I don't, I don't think he is at this point. He doesn't look like he is missing some throws. But um, I get so I go back and forth with his receivers because there's a lot of um, very catchable balls that they they dropped like actually with their hands a couple times, uh, which is super frustrating to watch. Um, it, that but there's also some um really good plays by the receivers so like i don't i don't understand how to grade their receivers because they they miss some easy catches but then they make really good plays when they catch the ball and run with it how would you they're hurting them hurting them ultimately right yeah though i mean their receivers are not uh like your traditional like possession receivers like i don't think these guys are gonna be playing for the patriots anytime in their lifetime uh they're more like the catch and run uh, try to make big play kind of receivers. Um, but, yeah, they definitely had a few drops on Saturday. And, you know, but at the same time, I'm not going to put it all on them. I mean, I think Stidham definitely had some open receivers that he overthrew. And uh, maybe those receivers are just kind of surprised when the ball actually hits him in the hands. And that's why they have trouble. Give this point. If, he, if he's not a quarterback, do you think he'll still go after this year? I've heard just saying, like, it's a done deal. He's going in the NFL. But – he does have a year of eligibility left. He's only a junior. So he could come back for uh, his senior year this year. So question one, do you think he'll come back for his senior year? And question two, if he doesn't come back, do you think Auburn be in a better position? Because I think their backup quarterback is more of a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's probably going to come back just because um, I just don't think he's done enough this year. Uh, maybe if he finished the season really strong, then it might be different. But – I just I don't think he's going to leave. And I think Malzahn, uh, I mean, like it or not, I mean, I think he's kind of committed to having a pro-star quarterback. Um, he's definitely had plenty of opportunities to go to the backup. He came in a few times on Saturday and had a couple good runs. But, you know, he's still stuck with Stidham. And I think Stidham is going to be his guy. I think he wants to have a more of a passing offense. I think that's why he brought in Chip Lindsey. I think that's why he brought in, uh, you know, Stidham. So, um, I think he's committed to that. I think that's something he really so wants to do. <clears throat> and I mean, we've we've seen we've seen Stidham like throw well before. You know what I mean? We've seen it. So I mean, we know it's there. It's just he's he's not playing at a high level right now. I mean, he, he played well in the second half, like I was saying. But um, you know, I I just think that Malzahn is that's what he wants his offense to be. He doesn't want to be just a running quarterback running the read option like 50 times a game and only throwing like 10 to 15 times a game. You know, I don't think that's the kind of offense he thinks is going to win consistently, even though it's shown that that's what works the best for him. I, I forgot about is our good friend JB here who was actually at the game in Oxford. Uh, so he saw Auburn back-to-back leagues. Uh, <clears throat> tell us about the, the game. Atmosphere. You got the, the game was at 11 control, kind of like this past week or two weeks ago. With the, um, another early kickoff. Um, how How – how were the fans? Did you tailgate? Did you have some friends to tailgate with? Were there some? Were there hotter girls in in Auburn? Uh, or um, are you happy with your Memphis? I did go tailgating uh, before the game. I only had maybe like thirty minutes to tailgate because people, people you knew. Yeah, late start, and of course with it game, like we didn't really have much time. Like we left around, I think around maybe eight thirty or so, maybe a little bit after that. Didn't get to Oxford until after 9.30. And then by the time we walked up to near the Grove, it was like after 10 o'clock. So we only had maybe 30, 40 minutes. I think I think we were only at the tent for like 30 minutes. But it was, it was enough time for me to get, um, you know, a couple shotguns in. and You shotgun the beers? Well, I don't know if I would say shotgun. I didn't do it around my uncle. But I, I chugged a few beers you know, beforehand. <laughs> just try to wake me up and also took some free food at the same time. Like, I, that's one of my favorite things is, is – I definitely, yeah. The women, the talent is unbelievable. I've been to probably at least half of the places in this conference. I haven't been to everywhere, but Ole Miss definitely stands out to me. I mean, it's just the, the talent is incredible compared to what I saw last week at Auburn. I mean, I think maybe it's just because the girls at Ole Miss, they just 
put a lot more emphasis in dressing up for the game and making themselves look pretty. But damn, they really do well at it. <laughs> I would, I would probably, game, probably agree with you there. Yeah, and the game atmosphere, it was actually better than the atmosphere we had last week at Jordan here. Like the fans were a little more enthusiastic going into the game. Uh, of course, they were sitting at a five and two record, so the season was actually kind of above expectations at that point. Yeah, and it was it was probably like maybe ten thousand seats under capacity, but it was probably like maybe fifty thousand there. Fans were pretty enthusiastic. Uh, but Auburn fans, like, they didn't really bring a lot of fans. Uh, there was a lot of empty seats, and mainly in the Auburn sections. So it's not a drive from Auburn to Ole Miss. I, think, I mean, it's less than five hours. I would say it's like three or four, maybe. Let me look it up real quick. I think it's about four hours. It's really not that bad of a drive from Auburn to Oxford. It is four and a half hours, so maybe a little bit further. So it's not too bad, but, I mean, that's – well, the, the other thing you have to consider too is there's probably a ton of Auburn fans who live in like oh. Birmingham and like maybe some closer yeah. some closer areas. Yeah, so like it's not like they're all coming. It's not like they all like drove to Auburn and then drove to Oxford. Yeah, a lot of them are from Birmingham too, because Birmingham to Oxford's less than three hours. Yeah, let me, let me fact check you, JB. It is two hours and thirty nine minutes according to Google. So, uh, there, less than three hours, right. like I said. Let me, let me back before we even talk about the game even more. Uh, you're talking about shotgun and beers, which um, I find is a fascinating topic itself. Um, so it was like 10, 10 a.m., 10.30. So first of all, just uh, this might get a little person, so you don't have to answer, but your your uncle doesn't know you. No, my uncle doesn't know I drink. You just didn't, you didn't feel comfortable shotgunning around him. I wasn't going to shotgun it around him. I mean, I, I actually technically didn't shotgun it. I just chugged it, but it felt like a shotgun. Okay. I, just, I, I didn't have time to sit, sit out there and like Enjoy. You know, just – Slowly, like I just wanted to get a few of them in my system, you know. Just so I took like two, two consecutive. The people you tailgated with, you knew. I didn't know them, but it was uh, people that my uncle have known forever, okay. and found out they have a tent down there. So now every time I go down there with him, I always I'm gonna have a tent at least to go to. And no. yeah, the, the game itself was fun. I mean, it, it was fun for about a half. But it was close. Uh, Jamie, I'm, I'm not, really I'm not done talking about three games. Just let me roll. We'll get there. Okay, fine. All right. <laughs> You're the one in charge here, Al. You're right. You're right. Um, so you you said like, "Hey, can I have the like, hey, have a beer here." No, they offered him. They offered. What what beer was it? I'm not even gonna say. I mean, it's not something I really care for, but Jimmy, what, you know, what kind I, of I drank it. It was it was a Michelob Ultra. That's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah I thought you were gonna say like it was bad. Mike's Hard Ice or something, or like Keystone or. Maddie's. We had this, I had this discussion on Twitter at one point, um, which it was it was later. I was talking to somebody, and I tweeted it out, um, not on necessarily smoke, but on my personal account, asking what was the best college cheap beer pre pre game, but college cheap beer, and it was either uh, Natty Light or um, I think, and more people said Natty Light, but more people was like two or three to one, so it's not really a true poll, but. Um, it's funny when people talk about Keystone because I never think about Keystone, but it's it's out there. Um, but Michael, not too bad, James. So nothing to be ashamed there. Um, but what I was going to mention when you say shotgun uh, beers, um, I, I recently I mean, I didn't have a true college experience, uh, JB. Um, so I feel like after college we found out about beer and how everything works. Shotgun beers. So I, I recently, lastly, have two years gotten to shotgun beers. Not that I do it every day, but um, I will do maybe one one before I go out. Not all the time, but sometimes I will. But you're talking about shotguns, and it reminded me of a couple different times. Um, one was, um, yeah, story time. time. One was when we went to Huey's, we got there at like 9.50, and it's like two for one beers before 10 o'clock. So, JB just gets, he didn't even think or look around. He just finds a guy and says, give me two beers right now. So, he gets the beer, and as soon as the guy gives him the beer, he, like, chugs it, and, like, I'm just getting my beer, and it's taking, like, two sips, and Jamie's like, I'll have two more. <laughs> and I just thought that was a lot funnier than it is coming out now, so that's not as funny. But, yeah, I actually remember that. Like, I chugged the entire class before you even got the beer, like, your beer put in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually... The, the I'm actually just kind of, at me, like, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed with your ability to chug now, because... Um, there was that that point, and there was another point when we went to Liberty Bowl, watching Iowa State, and we got some, and we were, we were trying to chug. I guess we, we made a little contest about chugging beer, and I drank mine pretty fast. It was super cold outside. It was probably like 35 degrees at that point, or maybe colder, actually, probably like 25. It was less than that. It was like upper 20s. It was 
freezing balls out there. Yeah, yeah. But we we decided to chug a beer, and maybe we were thinking that it would make us warmer if we drank the beer. But um, we um, we had a look, and you finished yours way before mine. I was uh, impressed because JB, me and you really didn't go to college. You apparently you learned how to chug beer in the last like year or two. I mean, I've always been a good chugger, even before I started chugging beer. So, like, it's nothing to me to chug a beer. Holder, are you a big shotgun guy? Um, I mean, I'll, not, like, yeah. by myself. Um, <laughs> I think it's fun to do, like, in a, in a group yeah. of people, you know, especially, like, you know, you know, just, I don't know. Just, like, when there's, like, a lot of people around, it can be kind of fun. We usually, um, when I tailgate at Mississippi State, we usually still shotgun one, like, right before we yeah, go in. Yeah, that's the, that's the tailgate, um, the official tailgate rules. It's, like, right before you go in, you have to get the last few beers in just to make sure. Yeah, and it's just a shame that they have metal detectors now. So, it used to be, like, once it got cold, you know, we would just, you know, fill up our jacket pockets with, uh, with uh, beer cans, and just uh, take them all into the well, game. At, but uh, at, I can't do that I mean, anymore. I, you know, people still obviously sneak sneak alcohol, which one way or another they will. But when we went to the Auburn game, we were talking about it. They didn't really check us down at what we could have brought in. No, Auburn didn't, and Mississippi State didn't used to it all either. Like, I mean, I remember. Uh, I mean, I'm not even kidding. Like when I was a student, like I literally like took in an entire. 30 pack of bush light like in the case and i just put like my jacket over it and i still had my hand on the handle but i had the jacket like hanging over it so it looked like i was just carrying my jacket 30? and i just walked like yeah i mean i didn't drink them all by myself they were for like all of us but <laughs> dang you're good like i didn't yeah <laughs> but look man mississippi mississippi state was pretty bad when i was in school so i obviously wouldn't be surprised if, if i did at like, some point oh that and there's like hey man we we know you got a case of beer we, we know we're not dumb here. We know you got a case of beer, but like anything to get people here. But I, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's that's how like, baseball games are. Like baseball games in Mississippi State, you can just like you can uh, you have to put it in a cooler, and they'll look at it. But like, like you open the the cooler and then they look at. It, they don't like look through it at all. So like you just put ice in the top and like you know they'll just let you like right in. You can have like a huge cooler like full of like whatever you want in there. Just because they just because they they know that if they don't let people drink, no one's going to show up. So they're just like, oh yeah, well we'll check. But I understand the reason for checking now, but I think how much more enjoyable games would be if you could be YOB and just you could bring a twelve pack or six pack. Yeah, or if at the very least they just sold beer at the well, game. Well, yeah, they do like, Memphis games, but yeah, I can understand. Well, most most colleges yeah. don't. Yeah, I got you. I got you. So sorry, yeah, but, but real. But real quick, uh, before we move on from the Ole Miss Auburn game, at some point, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to the Chevron on South Lamar in Oxford. I got the uh, chicken on a stick yesterday for the, the third time. Yeah, you were and excited about that. Fantastic. You were excited about that. You should, you should, actually, we should tweet that out because that was a good picture and like people were related to that. I guess it's it's a popular thing, right? I know what you're talking about, but um, it's usually pretty proud of that Chevron, right? Uh, I got there right before the crowd hit, but uh, there were a few frats that were coming in right behind me, so I made sure I got in there before they did. So, okay, so getting back to the game, oh, you think the Gus back on track? So, do you think do you think they have a chance to win um, a game besides the Liberty game? Like, do you think they could beat A and M, Georgia, or Alabama, or at least? Um, I mean, I'd give them like a fighting chance against Georgia and, and Texas A and M. I mean, just just because. Um, you know, Georgia, after that loss to LSU, I'm not really sure how they're going to bounce back. Obviously, they play Florida on Saturday, and uh, that's going to be a big game. And then they have Kentucky, which is probably going to be another huge game. So, you know, we're going to find out a lot more about Georgia in the next couple weeks. And uh, so I'm not 100% sold on them quite yet. And I, st- I still believe in Auburn's defense. I mean, I really do. Like, I, I know they had a bad game, you know, on the ground against Mississippi State, but they were also on the field the whole game. They gave us some big passes to Tennessee – but I don't think they really expected Tennessee to come out throwing the ball like they did. Um, so, you know, they, they played really well against Ole Miss, I thought. I mean, not, like, really well. They, they played pretty well, especially in the red zone against Ole Miss. And uh, I'm still, I still kind of believe that defensive line is big time, and they got a lot of really good players. So, I mean, you know, what I'm worried about is Stidham in the offense and the offensive line, like, because they're not going to be able to run the ball as well as they did on Ole Miss every game. So uh, if they can – but maybe, like, this game builds some confidence and they'll be able to uh, establish a little bit more of an identity going forward and maybe Sidham will get back on track. But, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to win those games, but I'm not counting them out quite yet because Auburn is one of those teams that, like, just when you think they're terrible is when they start, like, winning games. Yeah, I'm actually hoping they beat A&M or Georgia. 
because I have a good tweet my mom that I want to tweet after they win. But that's that's in the future. You'll see. It's an actual nice um, it wasn't. It won't be as good as Jamie's tweet last night. Shout out to Jamie. That was a good tweet. Um, after this for Ed, Coach O, um, I, I definitely would have thought that would have been Holt that tweeted that. But Jamie, it's about time you uh, you made up your value here somehow. Yeah, I mean, I've I've always never been the ones that put out the good tweets, but uh, that actually wasn't even. You know, I didn't, I didn't expect much out of that. I just saw the picture and I'm like, you know, this is kind of this is probably has some funny captions. So let's have some people caption it. And it really viral and took off. So yeah. There was there were some good captions. What was your favorite? I mean, there were, a lot of them were not PG thirteen. They were more. Uh... One of the first ones we had. Um, let me. I'm going to go down our list now. Well, I think I've retweeted. You, you. I did retweet it. It was from a Texas A&M fan. All right. I think I found it. Okay. Here it is. Yeah. The caption was, "Well, jambalaya <laughs> was too spicy." Oh uh, well, that would that be spicy? I, I would expect one of those. Like the the way it had he had like the water squirtle, it definitely got a lot worse for some people. And like that's that's the first thing I would have thought have. Um, well, my my caption would not have been suitable for the for the Twitter. I would have said like she coming on my face. Well, I think that's the point you were saying, but not with that without saying exactly that. Jamie <laughs> saying a different yeah, way. Yeah, it, like, it definitely looked like he was getting jizz on his face. <laughs> I think I think everybody got that. That's, that was the point of the connection. I just didn't want to, you know. I'm obviously not going to tweet it. Of course, I uh, retweeted me. I had to, who had retweet myself at least because I thought I had a pretty good one. Um, moving on to other games, uh, <laughs> switching subjects. Um, Holt, when is Vanderbilt going to win an SEC game? Uh, thinking maybe. Yeah, I think maybe no, November. Of uh, like 2020, yeah. maybe. So they're really close. It kind of frustrates me, and it's probably even worse if they're available. It's not like they're getting blown out. They're very competitive in a lot of their games. And this uh, this game against Kentucky is no different. It was 7 7 for a while until the fourth quarter. And um, I think they still finally had a touchdown to take the lead and pretty much win the game. But they're very competitive, and uh, they don't look horrible. Kentucky, on the other hand, which what we were saying earlier is that start off this season really great beating Florida and Mississippi State, but you think they might have peaked a little bit early, right, Holt? Who's that? I'm yeah. sorry, Kentucky? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you went out on me a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, I've, you know, Kentucky had a couple of big wins early in the season, and, um, you know, I think Florida's just gotten a lot better as the season's gone on. But, uh, you know, Kentucky's kind of been struggling along. I mean, they've been winning, so it's fine. I mean, obviously, they've lost Texas A&M, but – you know, they only completed three passes against Vanderbilt. And, I mean, that was just a really ugly game. They really had to grind that one out. And Vanderbilt's not a great team. And, um, you know, I would just like to see a little bit more out of Kentucky. Um, you know, I mean, to me, like, good teams don't just show up when they're playing other good teams. They also blow out the bad teams. So, I want to see Kentucky do a little bit more. I mean, obviously, they got Georgia coming up at home. So, uh you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not, you know, saying they're not any good. I'm just saying, like, I want to see a little bit more out of them. Yeah, um, yeah. Terry Wilson only had three complete passes. He only threw nine times. Uh, QBR of 18.8. So, not going to win a lot of games. That could be teams, better teams that have good defenses that can prepare for stopping the run, and then they're going to force you to pass it, which is, I think, what's going to happen. The only, the only problem with that is that uh, Terry Wilson can also run his dual threat, so that's kind of hurt you, but – um, when you when you have a team like Georgia coming up that is going to have time to prepare for stopping the run, I think it's going to be trouble for Kentucky. So we'll see how that goes. They they handed the ball off to Bidisnell, which is the best player on the team. Um, 32 times, 169 yards, uh, one touchdown. But Kyle Shermer actually had a good game too, whole 15 or 23, 16 yards. But not bad. You know the worst? Yeah, he threw, he threw a touchdown pass that was like right on the money. That was their only score of the game. Um he had another one downfield that got intercepted that was underthrown. He had a guy open. So, uh, you know, I mean, definitely he, he continues to be kind of, like, good. Like, you know, like maybe underrated, but then still, like, not good enough to where, like, he's criminally underrated. The, the worst part of this game was Aaron Rodgers called – not Aaron Rodgers, excuse me, Jordan, the entire game. Um, <laughs> I would, and I didn't watch it. And that's the problem having a million different games at the same time. I mean, I watched Mississippi game more than this, um, but it was, I would not want to watch the entire game of Jordan Rodgers calling a Vanderbilt game. 
No. And I mean the the SEC night game, SEC network night game is always gonna be kind of forgotten because there's you know, obviously you got the ABC night game on, you got the ESPN night game on and like there's a game on Fox. So like, I mean, it's usually going to be at least like fourth or fifth in the pecking order. Um, but uh, this is actually a like low key kind of exciting game. Maybe not um, like very well played, but somewhat exciting. And both teams made plays and uh, both teams had a chance to win. I think both teams missed a field goal in this game. So just kind of, you know, pretty evenly matched game the whole way up until t- uh, Kentucky put them away with that From last that house. game to the Battle of the Titans, Missouri and Memphis. Not a pretty game for Memphis. They started off bad um, in 20 um, And it just it didn't look pretty. And then they fought back. I think they got to 20-21, I think, at one point in the second quarter. And then um, Missouri scored 27 and they ended up losing by 30. Two points, 65 to 33. It's not really a great game for Memphis's. But on the bright side, um, it's kind of exactly what Missouri needed for homecoming. They needed a game where they blew, blew out a team so they could get more confidence heading into the meat of their East matches, matchups with Tennessee coming up. And um, well, I guess they already played Jordan and stuff. Kind of they haven't played Florida yet. So, um, so Tennessee, which is a winnable game by JV, but um, it's good, good uh, for Missouri to pull out Memphis. Bad for me personally, but good for me. Um, Watch Holt um, had 350 yards, four touchdowns. No surprise because Memphis defense doesn't play really most of the time. Um, so not a big deal. But um, Albert O, can't say his last name. Uh, JB, you want to try? No. <laughs> I already told you before. I, I'm not, not going to attempt that. I thought you might change your mind. But which call him Albert O had 159 yards, three touchdowns. Probably our SEC. Offensive week, our full slot player of the week is Alberto. That's why I'm just declaring him as offensive player. Also, let's give a quick, also let's give a quick shout out to Drew Locke. Uh, he's uh, looked like he got himself together yesterday. Granted, it was a today. So yeah, let's, I'm gonna give a shout out to Drew Locke. Yeah, he loves uh, putting up those big numbers in the non-conference yeah. games. The ones that don't matter as much. Holy so that- yeah, I'm still here. I think right, we lost JB, though. I'm finish this one out strong without JB. Um, so, yeah, Drew Locke's back on track, I guess. But we'll see how it does against Tennessee and Florida in the future. Um, also, want to give a shout-out to Arkansas for finally getting their second win of the year against Tulsa. Tulsa's one and six, so not a great team. Um, not a great team, but still um, good for Arkansas to finally get a win. You can see improvement with Arkansas from week to week, so it was a good win for them, right, Holt? Yeah, definitely. And Ty Story didn't play again in this week, uh, but they went to actually their third string guy. Um, actually, was their quarterback most of this game, and he played pretty well. The defense obviously played great, getting the shutout. And uh, you know, Tulsa hasn't been as great uh, the, this past year, year and a half, um, as they were before that. Um, but their coach Montgomery is uh, comes from the Arbrals coaching tree, and uh, you know, supposed to be really good offensive mind. So uh, good to get a shutout there for the Arkansas defense, and they continue to play a little bit better than people maybe give them credit for. And, um, you know, obviously they continue to run the ball pretty well. So uh, not like, you know, a huge blowout, but definitely like a convincing win over a decent team who gave Texas a pretty good game earlier this season, Tulsa did. So definitely uh, improving for the for Arkansas and, you know, Looks like they're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I'm surprised they went to their third string quarterback. I'm surprised they just didn't go ahead and put in uh, Kelly Bryant in a quarterback. Yeah, well, you saw yeah, you saw his visiting there, right? Yeah, Is that why you said that? I said that. Um, this we we have so many SEC followers or people that we follow. I guess so. I see it on the timeline, and especially ours. We have followed Arkansas people. So I saw somebody um, tweet um, a picture of like a steak that they were eating. That was um, it was like a, the Arkansas recruiting coordinator's wife is what I found out when I went to the picture in her uh, profile. But she just said it wasn't as good as recruit visit we had just now. And then you can see in the comments they were talking about Kelly Bryant. So Kelly Bryant was there. Um, I heard Kelly Bryant went to visit also Missouri. Um, but I think they Arkansas is going to have the one up on everybody with uh, course recruiting pretty hard coming out of high school with Clemson. So I hope he does go there. It's a good, it's a good situation for a grad transfer quarterback too, because 
they need somebody who fits his offense. And, um, you know, they're, I'm not saying that they're a quarterback away from being a great team, but they're definitely a quarterback away from being a decent team. And I think uh, if he went there, he could definitely have some success. He'd fit, he, he knows the offense is the same offense he ran at Clemson. I mean, it'd be a really easy transition. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't look like any big-time schools are really recruiting him that hard. I'm not sure where uh, he would fit in. I think I said Florida or Auburn maybe back you know, when he first left, but it doesn't look like those schools are really recruiting him. So I think Arkansas would be a really good fit for him and to have that last year and uh, fit into an offense that, you know, he's very yeah, comfortable Yeah, he's fun to see for sure. Um, I hope it happens. Uh, yeah, I think Arkansas would be a um, bowl-eligible team this year or on the fringe of bowl eligibility with a better quarterback, as in Kelly Bryant. So shout-out to Arkansas for getting the win and uh, beating up on non-conference AAC um, like Missouri. Um, so that we talked about all the games. Let's talk about um, out of conference real quick. Um, so shout out to Ohio State for losing to Purdue. Um, Purdue is, I guess, this year's Iowa's team. Uh, Iowa, so now um, Ohio State's going to have to fight that pill battle for getting into the playoff, uh, which they still could get in if they beat Michigan, went out the Big Ten. I think they should still probably get in. But last year they did not with that big loss to Iowa. So we shall see. Um, Michigan looked really good against their win against Michigan State. Um, Shea Patterson's coming into form with Michigan. Uh, the defense is always great in Michigan. And then you had the college game day, great atmosphere in, in Pullman, Washington, with uh, Washington State beating Oregon, just like you called, Holt, just like you called. Yeah, and uh, I think I know why JB left. I think you knew we were about to start talking about our picks, and I actually took a three-game lead on them. So are you up to – So uh... – we had we had a we were tied and then we had three games difference that we disagreed on and I won all three of them. The Washington State game was one of them. The uh, Auburn Ole Miss game was one of them, and then the other one was um, what was the other game? My goodness! Oh, Memphis, Missouri. Memphis, Missouri. But those, yeah, right. Because he picked Memphis, and uh, he's actually really lucky too because uh, I don't know if you remember this, but. Uh, when we were picking games, you threw out the Cincinnati Temple game, and I don't think you expected me and JB to like want to pick that game, but it was actually a really close game. And uh, he picked Cincinnati, and I was gonna pick Temple before you told him it was just a joke when we weren't picking that game. So he's actually really lucky that it wasn't four because it would have been uh, because I was gonna pick Temple. Yeah, that one kind of surprised me. Although Cincinnati, Cincinnati is all like South Florida actually. South both of them. Cincinnati's not undefeated anymore, but South Florida was undefeated. South Florida's still undefeated, but both of them were undefeated going into this week, and both of them win their games, but they they don't look impressive winning their games. They just squeak by and get the wins. Kind of reminds me of the the second year of James Winston uh, at Florida State when they won all their games, but they just almost lost yeah. them. Too. And you UConn is Horrible. awful. I mean, I think I think uh, UCF was like a thirty five point favorite or thirty four point favorite, and um. Another another bet that I won this week was uh, taking UConn plus the points just because South Florida's been squeaking by like every game. So I figured I'd, you know, uh, get get the underdog there. So uh, another big betting win for, for me. Um, I, but I, once I make it big, I'm going to I'm going to remember you. Don't forget. <laughs> well, we gotta make it. We we can make it big with that, or we can make it big with SEC slow smoked, or we can make it big with new uh, Powerball. Powerball is up to one point six billion with a B dollars. So we're talking about that and how we're going. I guess we're gonna take care of each other. Jamie's gonna take care of us. I would take care of y'all. But hold, you might uh, you might actually make us work with that with that money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I just. <laughs> I mean, I, I I guess like I'm not saying I wouldn't give y'all money. I mean, I would. It's just like I. Like, I mean, we wouldn't have to worry about money. Like, y'all would be in my circle. And, like, I would just – if you guys wanted something, I'd yeah. just give it to you instead of just giving you a bunch of money. And then, like – like but, like, what I would want is just, like, a really – like, I mean, obviously, yeah, it'd be awesome to just have a ton of money. But, I mean, I'd like to just have, like, a job that I liked that I got paid, like, way too much money to do and I didn't have to stress <laughs> at all. So you something, something, like, kind of keep me busy but also keep me, like, really well paid and, like – Keep my anxiety level. You low. could um, you could pay somebody to like hire you know, and just give them the money to pay you back. Yeah, I could uh, do that too. I mean, if, if if I just had the money, then I wouldn't have like a job. I would just try to. I would like hire someone to like find stuff for me to do <laughs> because I'd be so bored. I'd just be like sitting around my mansion all day, like not doing yeah. anything. Which brings me to that point. You you 
talked to you tweet not tweeted texted us that you said this saturday this as in yesterday was gonna be low-key um what was your word hype no not hype lit low-key lit and i actually thought my my saturday was very low-key lit as well i didn't do anything this entire weekend and it was very fun to not do anything for the first weekend in a while um as in not even going to bars or anything i actually had opportunities somebody wanted to go <laughs> funny somebody wanted to go to a bar in Buckhead to watch the NC State Clemson game, the NC State fan from last weekend that you saw. I wanted to go to the bar and watch that game, and I didn't because yeah, Memphis played at 4, and that game was like 3.30, so I didn't want to miss the Memphis game. Um, But I also didn't want to spend money and go to a bar that was going to show just two or three games instead of like 20 games I wanted to watch. So I didn't go with him, but I'm glad I didn't. But um, it was very, very lit to do nothing this entire weekend. In fact, I wish I could do nothing a little bit more, but I have to work tomorrow. Same for you, Holt. My support. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been – yeah, it was good to finally just get, like, a good Saturday where I've been traveling, like, so much lately. I mean, not it's been fun, but it's sometimes it's good to just sit at home and just watch all the games, and there were a lot of good matchups. And, you know, even starting at, like, 11 a.m., there were, like, three or four good games on. So it was just a good full day of college football. And, you know, I had some uh, some breakfast food in my fridge that was going bad, so I decided to just cook <laughs> I did, it all I up. I did see the snack. I did see the snack. That's cool. So uh, – so I just cooked up all the leftover breakfast food I had and ate that around halftime of the 11 a.m. games and had a couple cups of coffee. <laughs> and then uh, after after Mississippi State's uh, performance, I was feeling pretty bad. So I went to uh, – drove over to Papa John's, and they had a good a good special on a XL pizza. So went over there and just ate, like, a huge pizza and kind of cried on the inside while I was eating was it. That, was that – uh, About my Bulldogs. No, it was only five. That's doable. No, it was Um, only five. Not – it was coincidental, not that I was pointing this out. I mean, I was pointing this out, but not because of LSU Mississippi State, but I did try to make some jambalaya this weekend, and it would have been good except for I didn't cook the rice all the way through, so I had a little crunchy rice, but everything else is good. Um, Dude, it's kind of hard to cook rice. Like, I I never thought that it would be, but, like, it's kind of – like. I don't know. It's a lot harder it's, than I thought it was. It's would hard be to gauge rice. the um, amount of time to cook. What I should have done is cook it separate, but I threw it, threw it all in one pot and thought the rice would cook through it, but it didn't, never never really did. So I should have cooked the rice separate before I combined everything else. But, uh, dude, I don't know about you, but like when I cook at home, sorry to cut you no, off. I know you're trying to ahead. get out of here, but I just want to say one thing real quick. Like, I don't know about you, but every time I cook, I always, I like, because I watch a bunch of like Gordon Ramsay yeah, videos yeah. on YouTube, I'm always just like waiting on Gordon Ramsay to just like pop in my kitchen and yell at me for like <laughs> doing something wrong. Yeah. Um, no, the recipe I followed, um, called for old bay seasoning. Have you heard of that whole, you should have. Oh yeah, definitely. I got some in my, so, okay. This is a good question for you then, because I haven't, I probably have had old bay because I've had crawfish. If you had a crawfish, I'm pretty sure you've had an old bay seasoning on top of it somewhere, but, um, old bay seasoning is really popular, but you've also have tried or have had Tony's spicy seasoning. Oh yeah. Tony's is, is a must. I just bought like a huge thing of it the other day, like the biggest size they have, just because I know like I'm gonna use so it a lot at some was, point. So might as well just Tony's go and buy it. Tony's cheaper than Old Bay, and I don't know Old Bay. I'm sure it's good because everybody talks about it, but um, I got Tony's instead because it's what I know and it's a little bit cheaper. But um, comparing the two, Holt, how, how can you describe the two? Because I'm curious um, how Old Bay's actually tastes compared to Tony's. Um, well, I mean, yeah, they're both really good. I, I like Old Bay a little more on like okay. seafood. Um, but I, I'll put Tony's on like yeah. chicken and catfish and like all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll put it on burgers and, and brought bratwurst before. Like I put it on literally anything I grill, I'll put Tony's on, I put it on wings, <laughs> I put it on everything. So like, like literally, but, but, but if I'm bowling shrimp or, uh, you know, something kind of like that, or like some crab legs, maybe like old Bay is, is the way to go for me. Yeah. For and you're, that. you're very similar to me in that you don't really like spicy food. So if you, if you like Tony's like I do or obey, um, I, I know I'd probably like it too, because I don't like spicy food just like you. Yeah. It's not, it's not too spicy. It's, it's, it's got that yes, flavor though. Tony's, Tony's has just the right amount of kick for me. So I like it a lot, but um, yeah, I made some double on some today. It was pretty good, but, or it could have been better. I should say, but I'm going to get to crawfish next, but maybe one day I'll have to, I'll have to find the crawfish and all that stuff. And, or maybe I just go to one of your friends yeah. on the coast or something. We shall see. Yeah. Well, they, they never invite me down they don't anymore, like anymore. So I don't know. No, I mean, they do, but they only invite me when it's not crawfish season. Dang, that's like the worst time to go. <laughs> I know. I know, man. I'm like, dude. It's like, are y'all cooking some crawfish? They're like, no, the crawfish season's over, man. 
<laughs> Maybe you should invite them to Destin like as like a little courtesy, like, hey, I'm inviting you to Destin now, so like now y'all can invite me to Crawfish season. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. Uh, but another good week. It gets kind of crowded down there. Yeah, yeah, it does, actually. Another good week of college football. A lot of people said this was kind of like a bye week, no good games. But to me, there was a lot of good games. Next week, we'll, we'll preview next week in a few days. Um, next week, is there's not as many good games uh, coming up. There's the Florida-Georgia game. That's going to be the game day game. That should be good. But other than that, there's not too many good games that catch my attention. But we will talk about it in a few days. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited that we kept this relatively short. And RIP to our friend JB, who just decided to quit on us like that. He pulled a Seasburger. Mac Brown. Mac Brown. <laughs> all right. Until next time, we will see you all later.